I'm Paul Sutton, and this is Digital Download, the show where I talk to topic experts on digital marketing, social media, and public relations about the things that matter in today's communications industry. Run a Google search for the phrase screen time and you get 7.3 billion results. And the thing is, many of them contradict one another, sometimes on the same day about the same topic. But such is the talk and concern over the amount of time we spend with tech now that members of the UK House of Commons Education Committee are to question experts on the effects of screen time on children's development and well-being. Here are three recent news headlines on the topic of digital well-being and screen time from one day. Excessive screen time linked to lower cognitive function. Screen time has a significant long-term impact on children's brains. Children's brains are not harmed by more screen time. The fact is that technology, whether it's hardware like smartphones or software like social media platforms, is designed to addict us. And so addictive is it that research says that a massive 38% of adults check their phones after they've gone to sleep. Yes, after, during the night. Now, to me, that's absolutely insane. In the UK, we spend the equivalent of one entire month every year looking at our phone. The average person checks their phone 58 times a day. Now, that sounds like a lot to me, but reviewing my recent stats, I've unlocked my phone an average of 52 times a day over the last three weeks. The impact of all this phone checking is stark. It's said that it takes 23 minutes to refocus on something after a distraction. So if you're struggling with productivity, maybe it's the smartphone on your desk that's a major cause. And maybe we just need to make taking a proper break from tech a part of our daily routine. Stephanie Henson runs a digital marketing agency and is the founder of Tech Time Out, a digital well-being initiative focused on helping people to achieve a more balanced relationship with technology. Steph's background is in data analysis. She's fascinated by spotting trends and utilising data for change. And in 2016, she started her own social media agency, which evolved into broader digital marketing. But as anyone who starts their own company will attest, it's easy to get sucked into that, taking over your entire life. During that process of building the agency, I was not looking after myself one bit. I was like, the, as the clients grew and we weren't getting our own pricing right and didn't have the resources to pay for more people. So I ended up wearing a lot of hats as you do, you know, in, in early days of agency sort of life. And um, yeah, ended up working multiple time zones, working all hours under the sun. Like if I was awake, I was probably working, you know, while I was eating, I would wake up in the night scrolling through emails of like what I'd missed, you know, for the three hours sleep that I'd had. So, you know, I look back at my, um, I was wearing a Fitbit at the time and I've still got that, that data of like, and it was insane. You know, I was like sleeping three hours, three, four hours a day and working seven hour, seven day weeks, like working over Christmas, like all just sorts of craziness. Basically one day I couldn't get out of bed. It sounds like, I mean, a proper case of burnout, right? Because mentally and physically and probably I've had burnout at some stage uh, and probably emotionally as well. You just can't do it anymore. It just hits you and you're like, I can't do this anymore. Yeah. Yeah. It was, it's really strange. It was just this sudden, I can't think, I can't solve this problem. I actually don't know how to reply to this email. One that usually I'd just fire off 20, like someone's got a problem and it takes you half an hour to, to draft a response to something, you know, this, this like very sluggish, like mental, I, I kind of described it like wading through mud, like something that historically has been very, very easy. Suddenly you just can't do, and you just don't, you don't even want, you, you just, I can't, it's very difficult to verbalize. I think is, you know, you just can't do it. You just, you just can't, you can't explain why, because you can do it, but you just can't do it. Steph says that looking back, the signs were there, but that she'd ignored them, relying instead on coffee and Pro Plus to keep her going. Realising that she couldn't physically or mentally do that anymore, she took a break from work and then took up running. I actually found this like magical thing where 
I could actually process information and, and, and go back and solve the problem in a much more efficient way because I'd had that time away. And it just sent me down this rabbit hole of investigating and really questioning the impact that technology had had on what had just happened to me. And through that sort of discovery and learning and, and that's where I sort of went, well, hold on, if this is an issue for me, then, you know, I love technology and I love working in this industry, but this must be impacting other people as well, which led me down this sort of rabbit hole of going, okay, what does this look like? Looking into some of the science, speaking to some psychologists, looking at all the research that is out there about this topic, which at the time there wasn't much. This led to better habits in her agency with a fully remote asynchronous team and setting a personal example of not overworking, that it was okay not to start work at nine and it was okay to switch off at five. And this is a couple of years back, before the pandemic, when remote working became the norm. Having spent a lot of time thinking about this and held to help fix it for the wider world, she came to the realisation that there is no fix. It's not a black and white. It's not a you do X, Y, and Z, and then suddenly you'll be fine. It's very much a balance in the journey of um, promoting like more healthy digital habits. There's no right or wrong. Everyone's very individual. And, and that's something that took me a while to kind of come to that conclusion. But whilst I was on this journey of like right or wrong, I remember going for, for lunch with my sister, who at the time had my three-year-old niece, and she grabbed my phone and she knew how to take a selfie. And she was three. And then she, she not only knew how to take the selfie, she then knew how to find the selfies and flick through them and, and find her like favorite one mm-hmm. and, and show me. And I went, wow, that's yes. amazing. How, that's incredible. And then I went, oh my goodness. <laughs> you know, she's literally growing up. I didn't get a smartphone, you know, until I was about 16. Whereas yeah. now <laughs> my three-year-old niece probably knows how to use the phone better than I do. Yeah. This is crazy so there was that and then I remember speaking to a friend about it and I was like there's a problem here like I was looking around and you know you do the whole like going out for dinner and you watch what people are doing and half of them are on their phones not actually speaking to each other or they're in a park in this beautiful location and they're all like taking photos of things rather than actually being present and being in that moment and so I kept talking about okay there needs to be something and I'd already come up with the name like tech time out and I was like everyone just needs to take a tech time out it's really simple like just take a daily tech time out how do we get this out there? So I'd already bought the domain. I just sat on it for a few years, just thinking about it. And then during um, Christmas 2019, my friends and I was, I think we were drinking over a glass of wine, uh, having a bottle of wine or something. And just, I've got this idea, like something really needs to happen. And because I just kept seeing things and I just kept getting this, I need to, I had this, I need to do something about this, but I don't know what this looks like. And he turned around to me and he was like, Steph, I am so sick of hearing you, you talk about this. <laughs> Can you just get on and do it? Just, just start. Like, it doesn't matter what it looks like, just start. So I was like, right, that was, and that was my, that was my kick. And so in January, 2020, I started building out the website and I started thinking about what this could look like around raising awareness and campaigns and what, what could we do? Um, and then in, uh, obviously in March, 2020 we all know what happens yep. there mm-hmm. we kind of got flung and everyone started working from home so we actually I actually jumped straight away into doing a lot of work in helping people how to use zoom how to work remotely how to manage yep. a remote yep. team what tools do you need like and this is something that we've been doing for years so it was all very very easy for me to help our existing customers to say okay you need to work from home but it's not that difficult you just need to do x y and z and and okay well, you can you can move these to virtual meetings but I knew what was coming. So everyone was like, this is amazing. Working from home is great. And then I was like, hold on, wait until the <laughs> no. work-life balance issues and wait until you're getting distracted and you've got the kids everywhere. And then, and then, but that even that took another six months or so until people started to see that some of these really prominent challenges that you get with home working and, and being um, in control of your start and end times of your day. Did, did that aid you in a way, the fact that covid happened and suddenly everyone is working online for god knows how many hours a day and that's everyone it's not just people like you and me who work in digital marketing yeah i mean are, are you aware of, of the latent impact of covid on digital habits yeah i think there's a great quote that's like some sometimes things you know everything happened nothing happens in a decade and sometimes a decade can happen in a year sort of mm, you know thing yeah. and i think that definitely happened with covid i think that because everyone was forced to work remotely and go oh suddenly we can do virtual meetings and oh i don't need to travel to work and oh i can be more productive and oh this is great i'm not being disturbed by people in the office and it it it, it unboxed all of these different things but not just for like say digital or tech companies, it, it unboxed this for all sorts of industries who suddenly had to find a way to, and, and people became very innovative and finding different ways of working. And 
it unleashed and unboxed this whole different like intergenerational working methods of what works for one that doesn't work for another and personality types. So um, introverts tend to do really well in a hybrid or or remote um, setting yep. and, and things like that, whereas extroverts find it more difficult. And there's all of these like complexities that come around the, you know, that, that whole discussion and debate. But yeah, COVID definitely had an impact because I think suddenly, suddenly everyone ha- everyone was relying on technology to do everything. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, to to get to communicate with your friends and family, to actually work, to to be entertainment, to, you know, your your life suddenly got shrunk into the room that you were sat in for quite an extended period of time. So whilst technology was a lifeline, it also became very unavoidable. A lot of people felt felt very hamstrung by technology at that time. I think uh, I don't know if that's yeah. still the case. I, I I don't know actually. Do, do you know whether? I mean, are people still feeling that way? I think people are finding like methods now that works best for them, and companies are bringing bringing in more policies now because I think companies are now more aware that actually, yeah, you can't have seven hour meetings a day on Zoom. Like it's exhausting, yeah. and so I think people are getting a bit more selective in the way that they manage their diaries because I think they went, oh, I don't need to travel. Great, I can do more meetings. Yeah, yeah, excellent. Yeah. <laughs> Like, well, you still need time to to reflect and you still need time to write up your notes and you still need time to like go to the bathroom, <laughs> you know, all of those things that um, when you're back to back all day sitting on Zoom meetings, you you can often sort of miss or, you know, getting people to do that, that challenge of if you look at your diary, how many of these meetings are actually necessary or how many are just legacy from, oh, we said that we'd meet once a week. Yeah, 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 absolutely. And then you, you just bounce from one meeting to the next and it's the same audience talking about sort of the same stuff that could have been an email. The research around the impact that technology has on us is still relatively limited due to the simple fact that tech such as mobile phones and the internet have only really been in our lives for 30 years. But recent studies say that, on average, we spend a massive 12 hours a day on screens. A third of us don't feel like we're having a good work-life balance. And perhaps most striking... We've forgotten how to relax. We can't sit and do little without staring at a phone or at least having it near us just in case it pings. As Steph says, it's very difficult to quantify the impact of feeling a bit better or sleeping a little bit better or being able to concentrate or feeling recharged. The question is, what's that all worth to you? At this point, I want to bring in Becca Caddy. A couple of years ago, Becca published a book called Screen Time, a detailed look at our digital habits and how to balance them. I invited Becca onto the show, and among other things, Becca and I talked about the nature of tech addiction. I asked her whether there is evidence of such a thing as addiction to the internet. That is such a fascinating area, and honestly, you know, the first chapter is all about that, but I could have written a whole book on that in itself (laughs) so kind of right now officially no um there isn't a a kind of tech addiction or smartphone addiction or anything like that and really it's because it's so hard to kind of pin down like some of the best thinking around it right now that kind of i feel like i fall on the side of a bit is more that it's around behaviors because really saying we're addicted to our phones it doesn't it doesn't really mean much i I don't really like to conflate it with kind of gambling but i guess it's kind of like saying you know we're addicted to a casino rather than like the gambling that we do inside it so there are a lot of people that think maybe it's more about the the behaviors a lot of people are kind of calling for to to better understand what it is about how we might be dependent on kind of tech and social media and how we might be addicted to that and there are no uh, diagnostic criteria set in stone either. So I, even though I say in the book, I don't think we're addicted, let's see it as habits, which is kind of the big thing I focus on. I'm not yeah. saying that in a couple of years, we won't find out that there is some kind of different addiction. But I think the word addiction is just, it's really difficult because uh, I, I quote a guy in the book, whose name is just completely I've forgotten. But he <laughs> says um, that, you know, just because similar kind of neural pathways are being created, like when people say take drugs, it's not the same. Um, so just because dopamine is at play and God, dopamine is so complex and fascinating, but you know, dopamine plays a part in our addiction to, again, say like gambling or, or drugs. It's not, it's not working in the same way when we look at our phones, even though it's still a similar process. So I think the quote is something like, I'm paraphrasing here, but like, you know, you could never want a cheeseburger or Facebook as much as you'd want 
hard drugs. Similar, but it's not the same. And I think that's something that we do need to catch with our language. I say in the book how important it is, how we label these things. That I've heard so many people be like, "Mm, my phone is just like crack or something like that. And I know it's kind of a colloquial way of saying it, but it's really not. And I, I, I think saying we're addicted, at least right now, isn't isn't kind of right. But but I mean, aside from the language of whether we call it addiction or a habit or whatever it is, and like you say, people do say things like that. I mean, I've heard it all the time. Mm. If we think we are addicted, whether that's the right word or not, if we think we are addicted, why do we keep going back for more? <laughs> There's a lot of interesting stuff at play. The the role again, the role of dopamine is really complex, so I don't want to just simplify it, but <laughs> it is kind of all about seeking seeking rewards and seeking newness but also seeking things that we know have rewarded us before uh let's just use instagram as an example we know that sometimes we log into instagram and we get a certain amount of likes so we think well maybe there'll be some likes there again okay so that's one part of it another part of it that um again this is kind of proven, but a lot is kind of um, people guessing as to why we're so dependent on look- on checking. Um, but there's something called like a variable ratio or variable reward schedule. And that's been found to really keep people coming back for more in all kinds of contexts. And this is one of the reasons people like, and, like looking at our phones to maybe the the feeling of gambling or kind of pulling down a fruit machine and things like that. And it's because we can never guarantee guarantee what that reward will be. So if we knew that every time we went on Instagram, we'd have five likes, that wouldn't feel as kind of compelling as if we're not sure whether we'll have none or 10 or 20 or, or two or something like that. Right. So it's it's not only is it the dopamine at play, but it's also that it's the, it's the, it's the not being sure what we'll get. And that is really compelling to us, even when we know that often it doesn't bring us any kind of kind of great satisfaction. That is a is a big part of it. So digital use and well-being, correlation or causation? Here's Steph. In terms of how we we look at it, so when we look about well-being, the World Health Organization tends to split it into three areas in terms of physical, mental and social health. And there are lots of studies where increased screen time generally correlates with a more sedentary lifestyle and then and then there's all you know there's tons of research around the impact of sedentary lifestyle and what that can mean and what that looks like um in terms of you know increase of disease like increase of obesity like terrible and and all of those different stats so that's a very easy like there's tons of there's tons of research around how if you've got a higher screen time you generally have a lower yet a more sedentary lifestyle yeah okay in terms of mental health there's lots and lots of research coming out around particularly around young people around the impact that an increased use of technology can have on depression, anxiety, feelings of like insecurities. The problem with some of these studies is it's it's very it's very easy to say okay the number of hours that you spend like sitting and that can be monitored. These more how do you feel and like how depressed do you feel today? They're very much on like the individual giving some sort of feedback. So a lot of the universities that we're working with are tackling this in lots of different ways in terms of how they can get a bit more savvy in the way that they're reviewing the data, how they're collecting the data in terms of what people are looking like. But okay. to me, it's one of those things where it's pretty obvious. Like if you spend like seven hours a day doom scrolling, you're not, and, and you've not really moved, like <laughs> you're not going to feel that great. You know, it's yeah. not, you, I don't really feel like we need a research paper to tell us that we probably shouldn't be doom scrolling for seven hours a day. It's probably not good for us. So there's, there's, there's parts of it that you just kind of go like, okay, yeah, there's, there's some definite, like really obvious ones, but what about the more subtle ones? Like that aren't quite as easy to spot. So the social impact ones, for example. So can anyone relate to that when you're in a, so in, in the workplace, first of all, so you're in the workplace, you're having a meeting. If you've you know, you know got six or seven people around a room and someone's on their phone, like how annoying is it? Because then yeah, yeah. they're not really yeah. listening and they, they sort of like miss something and then you have to repeat something. So then you have to take all of that time of like re-repeating something or the, the message didn't land. And then it, it screws up the project like further late down the line. Like it, it causes a problem all from, someone not being able to put their phone down for two minutes because they had something that they wanted to respond to. So that creates this like negative, potentially like negative social impacts in the workplace. But then if you talk about it at home, how many of us are guilty of like scrolling and that's the last thing that we see before we go to bed? It's not our partner, it's our phone. Or, you know, the first thing that you do in, when you wake up, you don't turn over to see your partner, you grab your phone. Or 
someone's trying to tell you something. And instead of like putting the phone down and actively intently listening to what they're saying, you're sort of half listening and half looking at the thing that you're looking at. And it's not fully kind of going in. So all of these like social interactions that are changing the way that our relationships are working, because there's now this device that sort of sits in between it that again can be great because you can contact your friends and family like throughout the day but it stops you from being quite as present in the moment with the people that you are in or that you are with at that moment in time so what impact does that now have on relationships and the way that young people are now learning to to rely on each other and how they're communicating with friends is difficult because it's cancel culture the ways of the ways of communicating it's all changing now because of tech now what the impact that is having there's there's so many different bits of research that are coming out but there's trouble there's there are definitely issues in that space so can you quantifiably say it's three times bad if you do x y and z <laughs> no but i think when you look at the when you look at the whole and you look at it like across like what you can get quantitatively and what you can get just from the various bits of research that are coming out from really genuine studies I think it's fair to say that, yes, technology is definitely a threat to our overall well-being. Becca reports a similar thing from the research she's done, but warns against just buying into everything you read. A lot of the studies that suggest that, you know, tech equals mental health problems, there's actually so much more nuance and and everyone's different. So I think the first thing that I'd encourage people to do is like bear that in mind when it comes to kind of maybe sensationalist headlines and things like that, that it's not as clear cut as, you, you know, your phone will make you depressed. Tech use can correlate with some mental health issues, but it doesn't necessarily mean it always causes it. It's about figuring out what aspect of tech use is causing you problems and what isn't, because, you know, you could end up uh, just like binning your phone, whereas really there are much more kind of interesting conversations to be had. And that's, um, you know, especially especially with kids and teens, actually, because it's like if we just end up banning things, then we don't figure out kind of what behaviours and issues there were. Yeah. Are people depressed because they're on their phones or, or are depressed people more likely to spend more time on their phone? So there is a lot of that, not chicken and egg, but kind of is it correlation or causation kind of kind of thing. And I mean, right now, we kind of don't fully know. But there are some key things that have been linked to kind of um, a drop in mental health. Like I, I mentioned in quite a few of the chapters about social comparison, and that has been found to, you know, often negatively affect how people feel about themselves and then you know time spent there's a uh, one study that calls it like the goldilocks time and i can't remember exactly what time it is but the <laughs> suggestion that loads of tech use but then also barely any tech use can have the same kind of mental health implications and there is this kind of sweet spot in the middle which again would actually be probably different for for everyone so th it, th there's a lot more nuance and we don't know a lot, but there are a couple of things that a lot of people point to. As well as looking after our own well-being, those of us who are parents often have serious concerns over how our kids use tech. In my case, the secondary school that my two eldest children attend has really stepped up its game when it comes to warning of the dangers of excessive screen time. We were recently sent the results of a study about how mobile phone availability can impact exam results. Even if our kids are sitting at home with their phone in their room, yeah. there is a correlation between that and the, the grades they're likely to get. And therefore, the grades they're likely to get, you take that further down the line, the GCSEs they might get, which has an impact on careers and stuff. So there is a thread there. And like I said, the school are so hot on this, even saying, look, get their phone out of their room. Even if they have it on, on their desk, but they're not looking at it, the temptation is still there just to pick it and check it or see what your friends are doing. And it, it, it distracts. And the, the school is also very hot on extracurricular activities. And the reason they're doing it, I think, I don't know this for fact, but again, it's the relationship between get your kids doing other stuff other than sitting down on a screen, which, I mean, anyone with kids knows this is a, it's a horrible struggle now. Yeah. But like I said, I, I see it there all the time. And I know, all right, the audience of this, this podcast, we're digital marketers, but many of them will have kids and, and probably recognize that, which is a difficult yeah. thing. It's really difficult. It's, it's a difficult challenge because, you know, sometimes, sometimes you do just need the time and you want them in, on a screen because you need some time to do something, right? That's, yeah. you, you need that. But 
also that that kind of modeling behavior between get the teenager off your phone, you get off your phone, no, you get off your phone back, you know? So <laughs> you can you can kind of see that. I think, you know, the way that, and this is what's really important, I think, for Tech Time Out and the message that we're trying to get across is it's not, there's no right or wrong, but there is a, there is a way that's right yeah. or wrong for you. Yeah. And it's finding that balance yourself. So if you find yourself like scrolling all the time in the morning, you're on, we're on screens because we're high tech users, right? Because we're, we're in the world of tech. We're looking at stats. We're looking at analytics. We're dealing with emails. We're looking at trends. We're trying to keep up with, with this fast paced industry and all the latest tools and, and stuff. We're trying to keep on top of it all. Very, very fast paced industry. And then we, and then at the end of the day, we're still on our screens. We're watching TV. And whilst we're watching TV, we're still flicking and we're flicking through social media. Then before we go to sleep, we're just checking in on all of the things that we maybe have missed from the other 11 hours that we've just spent on a screen. (laughs) Right. And then we expect a different behavior from those around us. Like it's, it's finding what's right for you. Whereas you might go, okay, you know what? I do do that and I'm comfortable with it. Cool. That's great. Or I do do that. And actually maybe I'm not so comfortable with it. And maybe I need to challenge that myself a little bit in terms of what do I want my tech, like my tech life balance to look like? And, and we often sort of go through these phases with people where it's like, what is it that you actually want to do? Like, what are the things that really give you energy? And I guarantee that the things that give you energy are not doom scrolling on Instagram or TikTok or whatever, whatever those um, platforms are that people do. And, and we try and encourage people to, to kind of trade some of that time. So take, look at your screen time, just go into your phone, like all phones now track screen times and have a look at it and just, and just sit with it for a second and just go, are you happy that you spend two, three, four, five, six, I've seen nine, I've seen 10 hours, like that amount of time, your debt, your average daily screen time, are you comfortable with it? Mm. And if not, maybe looking at different tools that you can use to reduce that, but not just to reduce it and, but to do something good for it that makes you feel good, that maybe is calling a friend or going and seeing a friend or or learning to learning that language that you've always wanted to learn or going and doing some fitness that, 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 that connects with, with some of your friends that you've not seen for a while or whatever it might be learning to dance, learning to whatever, like there's all sorts of things, like things that we've always said that we wanted to do, but there's never enough time, but there is time. We're just getting sucked into these like portals that are, you know, the attention economy is real. Like the, 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 the tech products are there to grab our attention. That's how they make their revenue streams. And, they don't give a damn about our well-being, quite frankly. No, and, and they like to say they do, but absolutely they don't because, you know, you spend less time on Instagram, there's less room to sell you ads, uh, which is yep. therefore less revenue. And, and I think we all, you know, the people listening to the show know this. You know, this doesn't come as any great surprise and probably not to much of the wider world either. People are aware of this stuff. Yeah. It strikes me from everything you've said, a lot of it is about self-awareness and understanding not only what tech is about, but also your own behaviors and being aware of those. And therefore only by knowing that can you make adjustments to change things? Yeah. I think that's definitely the first step is being, it's kind of one of those things that you kind of say like, oh, we all know to eat a bit better and that we should all move a bit more and that we should all do this a little bit. You know, it's all these things that we sort of inherently know that we should do, but it's difficult because a lot of these things are very addictive, like, and they, and they, and they, and they do make us feel good. There are like, um, the link, the kind of chemical links between like notifications and dopamine, for example, like they do give you these dopamine hits that make you feel good for that short instance. And then you strive for it and you strive for it and you strive for it. So you keep, you keep forming this habit and making these changes are really difficult because we're so kind of used to it. But if you, if you can be aware of it and start putting some things in action for yourself to say after eight o'clock, I'm not going to touch my phone or the first thing I'm going to do in the morning, I'm not going to touch my phone for 30 minutes and I'm going to go downstairs and I'm going to have a cup of coffee and I'm going to talk to my kids or I'm going to talk to my partner or I'm going to go for a walk or just these small things that you might decide to start changing for what works for you, for something that's like, that feels comfortable, that is something that you actually want to go and do. And then, you know, as we mentioned, we're all working in this industry. Like we we're on screens quite a lot. It's very important for us to do that. So then how do you then balance, like what, what are the strategies that you can do in the workplace that also aid this? Because I'm not for one moment advocating that we all throw our technology away and go back into <laughs> like, um, for, like foraging in the forests or anything like that. Like I, I think it's using technology in a way that aids us and that you, using technology intentionally. So using it for the purpose that actually does add value to the thing that you're trying to achieve, not mindlessly picking up your phone 
Because how many times do you do that a day where you pick up your phone and you don't actually have a reason for picking it no, up? No, absolutely. You just pick it up to check it and then you put it down again and you carry on. But that 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 act of doing that might take, uh, let's say it takes a minute or something, I don't know. Yeah. But you've, you've taken your attention from what it is you were doing. Your focus yeah. has gone, your productivity falls, you know. Um, yeah. I, I've Funny enough, I came across an app uh, not so long ago, only a few weeks ago, an app called Forest, which mm. the idea behind this, obviously you're aware of it, is is you you set a, a timer on your phone, which seems a bit ridiculous, but there's a point to it, to not use your phone for however long you say. You can say, well, I'm going to not use my phone for 30 minutes. And you set this this timer running. And if you achieve that, then it plants a tree for you. And basically taking this on a step, if you subscribe to the pro version, it can turn into real life trees. And it, it struck me as a, a really lovely idea to, to link two very pressing issues, that being tech and the climate altogether, which, which I thought was a lovely idea. I'd like to say I'd used it loads, but I haven't. <laughs> but <laughs> the reason I haven't is because I think I'm fairly good at not just picking my phone up and checking it and putting it down again. I, in other words, I would set a timer for 30 minutes and start doing something. And I would, it, it, you know, it, it never tempted me to, to break that 30 minutes, if that makes mm -hmm. sense. Yeah. But then what that doesn't account for is if I'm sitting working for 30 minutes and my phone is over the other side of the room or something, that doesn't stop me <laughs> going into LinkedIn to have a look or, you know, do, doing something that still breaks my productivity and attention. So it's yeah. a lovely idea that goes so far, but, but you know, I, I guess yeah. that's the point. These things can only go so far. It's got to be your own self-discipline at the end of the day. Yeah. And it's really hard. Like, so we're we're kind of being like right eat well do this exercise don't be don't don't get distracted don't do all this and then you've got billions of pounds funneling into these things that are trying to distract us like yeah. what hope have we got like yeah. it's not our fault like we're not it's we, we are only human like it's not our fault that we cannot regulate our own like well-being as being like the top thing because we want to eat sugar and we want to eat like food that's not the best for us sometimes and we want to go and check linkedin and we want to go and have a little doom scroll on on instagram because we want to and there's nothing wrong with it, with doing any of those things, but all in moderation, right? Like that's always yeah, the, absolutely. Like doing it in a way that's that's not going to dictate and and not sway too negatively. Like, and you might you might look at it and go, you know, my balance my balance is all right, but it, I could do with improving a few bits here and there. I think, and that's a great place to start. Or, wow, I really need to look at this. Or actually, I feel like I've got a pretty good balance. I wake up, I do this, I do that. I've got like we have natural tech time out anyway. Um, and it's just kind of finding where you are on the, where you are on the journey and where you actually want to get to. Um, but um, a study that you might be interested in is um, one that the University of California did, which was around the impact of a distraction. Someone called Gloria Mark, she she kind of identified that every time that we're distracted, on average, it takes 23 minutes to get back into deep focus, which yep. it's one of those stats. And then if you think about the amount of times that you get distracted throughout the day, be it like an email, a desktop notification, a ping on your phone, a WhatsApp message, a LinkedIn notification, like, you know, we, we often have lots of tabs yeah, yeah. open, don't we? And then you see the numbers and then you, you kind of flip to that, like the amount of time that gets wasted because you're flittering between like five different things instead of trying trying the Pomodoro, which is what the forest is basically is that Pomodoro technique, which is really powerful if you're if you're like me and 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 like a lot of us that you do tend to flitter between stuff. I kind of get like shiny object like I'm like, oh <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. interesting. Oh that's interesting. I want to look at that and oh I'll look at that as well. And then three hours later I've not done anything on my <laughs> 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 which, so which which I know I'm not alone in this. Like we all have these same struggles because everything's so interesting and the shiny dashboards and the way that we build our UX and UI to make it as attractive as possible and seamless and easy. Um it does, it just sucks us in. So yeah, the idea is that you you pick a task that you actually want to, you look at your to-do list, you pick a task, you close everything else out, you start you start the forest app or you start the timer and then you spend 25 minutes fully focused on that task. And and then at the end of it, you take a five or 10 minute break and then you reset and you can go again. For me, I, I tend to work in cycles where I'm either like deep focused or I'm like a squirrel brain that can't concentrate <laughs> to save my life. So for me, it works really well when I've got like a really important piece of work because I can procrastinate for England. I absolutely can. <laughs> but that sounds like going back to my point about self-awareness, you know this about yourself. Therefore, 
you can manage it and you can allow yourself an hour to flit around and look at 500 different things if you want to, because you know that you are going to be disciplined and do the stuff on your to-do list at a time and, and you're going to shut everything else away to do that. So yeah. that's, that's great self-awareness in other words. Yeah. I think it's, you've got to find what works for you. Cause some people, some people work in flows, um, you know, they get like high and low energy flows where so- suddenly, and it could be, you know, sometimes you get an idea and it could be 11 o'clock at night and you're like, I've got to do it. I've got to write it down. Like, cause it's there and I've, I've just got to do it. And then other people don't get that. They're quite consistent, like throughout, but they, they might get distracted. So even just asking that question in terms of when am I the most productive and like, when do I get my best ideas and, and what does that look like? And I don't get my best ideas tip tapping in front of a screen. I have to be like outside or I'm thinking or actually like with a notepad and pen almost like going like, right, I need to switch all of this off. And like, this is what I'm thinking. And then suddenly I've got the whole plan there and I've just been looking at an empty word document for two hours, not doing anything. So <laughs> it's just, but you've got to find what works for you, I think. And, and, yeah. and trying to remove intentionally remove some of the distractions that, you know, are going to take you away from what you're trying to do. One of my top tips is actually to just turn off your notifications. I was just going to say to you, I mean, that for me is the biggest thing. And, and I started doing this ugh, a number of years ago now, turning off notifications on stuff. And I'm, I'm, for example, on my phone, nothing has a noise, nothing pings at all. Some apps have no notifications, in which case you've therefore got to go to the app to have a look. Some of them, I have the the notification on, you know, in the top bar. More important things, I think, that I think I need to respond to. But notifications are an absolute killer. They really are. They are. They are. They just, I mean, if you, and if you think there's so many like group, group work chats and stuff that happen on, on WhatsApp now as well, um, mm. just mute them, mute them and put them in archive. And I promise you'll go and check them anyway. Like, cause, but you can go and check it on your own terms. Whereas, you know, I think that a lot, a lot of the day our time gets stolen away from us because we get distracted by what other people want of us. So the teams pings or the Slack pings or the email pings or everything pings. I, I think I moved... <laughs> I moved and, and I was in this kitchen and I was like, this kitchen is driving me crazy. Everything's pinging. My dishwasher was pinging and my washing machine was pinging and my microwave was pinging. And the hob was one of those, in you know, the fancy yeah, things yeah. with the pans. And that was beeping because something was on it and or it got wet. And I was yeah. like, I've got to move. This place is driving me nuts. <laughs> Everything's beeping at me. And it's just, it's just, yeah, turning into this world where we don't have, we don't have control of our own time anymore because you're just consistently being bombarded by what, other things want no, which attention. is insane isn't it i mean you think about that from if you actually think logically about that, that is just insane it really is yeah yeah it it's it's a it's a scary thought and then if we think about you know the impact that this has on us as adults that are you know supposedly <laughs> now grown up so we've got all the answers which obviously isn't the case yes. um, but then you think about the struggles that we have as adults with with these challenges and then give give that piece of tech to a child who mm. you know doesn't have the self-regulation yet, even like the self-regulation skills yet, you know, that they haven't kind of developed that kind of area yet. And then you've, you give them this piece of tech and yes, there's some great things that you can do in terms of like safe modes and, 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 and limits on the amount of tech and, and monitoring and, and putting safeguards and stuff in place. But you can, but I have big issues over that one anyway, because, yeah. you know, I mean, let's take my, my son as an example. So he has a phone. He's 11 years old. He has a phone. He's got an iPad. He's got an Xbox. He's got a laptop. Now, you can't regulate time across that. There's nothing, I don't think anyway, Mm. unless I'm very wrong, where you can go, right, you are allowed on this stuff for two hours a day. And that doesn't work because he can go on his phone for two hours and then go on his Xbox for two hours. And, you know, yeah. so, uh, yeah, that's a whole other world that I have serious serious yeah. problems with it's really difficult isn't it because that they are and they're all so you know let me just finish this game they're like no yeah. come for dinner now but i haven't got to a save point yet you know all of that yeah. which well, is like highly minutes. stressful for them like yeah like no but dinner's now you know and you're like <laughs> yeah but absolutely. you get you get all of that it's really difficult because it is you do want to finish like you do want to get to that save point you do want to like you're kind of in that you're in that zone and then that's why it's you know in, there's a whole different ball game around um like the impact on on children and the tech on in that sphere it's not the sphere that i'm in but i do work with people in that sphere and talk to them quite regularly and they're having you know th- there are huge challenges in that and 
some of the work that we do do with universities, we tend to work with um, children that are a bit older, well, young adults, you know, as they as they're going through university in terms of impact of tech when they're trying to study and, and that sort of thing. And obviously a lot of during COVID, I just they spent so much time like all studying from Zoom which that's not what university is about. You know, that's, that's, I, I felt really bad for all of those years of just like what they lost because of the pandemic, um, which was a real shame, but it's a very, it's a very emotive topic, I think. And it's, it's very individual. So like, like I keep saying, like what you might look at this and go, yeah, I'm worried for, for this, for my, for my instance, for my family. And hopefully other people will say, well, that's not really relevant to me, but actually this is the way that I use tech in this way. Maybe maybe needs a review and to yeah. just like say build that awareness of what it looks like but it's really difficult when you're in a workplace um that also doesn't support these cultures as well mm-hmm. because what what do you do when you when you get emails from your boss at 2am and where there's a culture where working yeah. long hours is rewarded what what do you do you'd like to think that that's changing but i, I mean i don't know i mean there there are obviously there's bound to be a lot of places where it's not and that is tough i agree that is that is really tough i think a lot yeah. of certainly in my network in my sphere most places now have, have have wised up to the fact that you shouldn't be doing it but that doesn't mean that everyone does you know abide yeah. by those rules which is tough i think when you're in that knowledge tran- knowledge transfer sort of industries where it's not it's more about the quality of the work that you're delivering and not the hours yeah. that you work and, and and shifting the management style and the goals and the objectives to that is the ideal you know so that you're not focused on time spent no, absolutely. Um, which gives people a bit more flexibility, but with flexibility also then does need to be some boundaries still because it's very easy to overwork. So what's the solution to this problem? Well, as I mentioned at the start of this show, Steph realised a long time ago that there isn't one fix. It's a very personal issue and one that's also very complex. And that's where Becca comes at things from too. I think it's like anything, the more we kind of shame ourselves and feel bad about it, the more we're not going to find good long-term solutions. We're just going to, you know, try and um, detox or delete something and end up feeling even more kind of tense. So I think, you know, a certain level of acceptance and, and, and being nice to ourselves and then just kind of getting more curious about how we use things and what makes us feel bad. And again, that's really not always easy, especially if if anyone has kind of any underlying mental health problems, because we both know firsthand that we can log into certain apps and feel very differently on, on different days. But I think working out what it might be that kind of triggers a certain emotion or what person or what account and I think just getting a bit more ruthless about kind of muting or blocking or deleting or or just ch- completely changing the way you use something like um, maybe not the best example, but I, I, you know, I've really changed the way I use, say, something like Pinterest. I remember I used to collect like so many photos of people like aspirational lives and, and interiors and stuff and stuff that I actually really was never that interested in. But it just felt like that's how everyone else <laughs> is using the platform. And now it's very much just like you know, just the nerdy stuff that I really enjoy. And I go there to feel kind of soothed and happy. And I have absolutely no idea how many people are following me or how many followers I have. It's purely just a creative kind of outlet. And I don't care about how I use it. And I think that's kind of a good example of just, and and I actually use it for kind of mood boards for fiction writing and stuff now. So I feel like I've really transformed that app. But then like you said, I am all for people just thinking, you know what, this just isn't serving me. And and the people that I actually need to use it to connect with, I can talk to them here or I can talk to them in a different way. So, so yeah, picking and choosing, being kind to yourself and just trying to be mindful of what it is that makes you feel good or bad. And again, I know, I know that isn't easy. And, you know, I, I've, I've noticed uh, when I'm going through really low periods, I can almost... I don't want to kind of trivialize self-harm here, but I, I feel like I'm self-harming or self-sabotaging by looking at particular things online sometimes. You know, people who I know maybe I feel a little bit envious of, or as I said before, like uh, fitness and health accounts that I know make me feel odd and bring up a lot of really difficult emotions. So that can be hard as well. Tuesday, the 28th of November is Tech Time Out, a day when Steph is encouraging businesses and teams to pick an activity to do together that means taking a complete break from tech. The idea is to raise this awareness of of how you feel when when you're doing that and how easy or difficult it is for you okay. to actually 
disconnect for that period of time. So and we don't specify how much time you take off. So you can do 30 minutes, you can do an hour, you can do a couple of hours, depending on how how brave you're feeling or what activity you're um, <laughs> what activity you're feeling like doing. So um yeah, we've got we've got nearly a thousand workplaces um over the UK. We've got hundreds of thousands of employees all taking part um this year in partnership with Mental Health First Aid England. And the the goal is to really raise that question of awareness of what impact is the way that I'm using technology having on my mental health. I, I could go, I could take the dog for a walk for an hour in the woods and leave my phone at home, <laughs> which is the key to it, right? It's just getting away from tech. It doesn't have to cost a penny. No, it's just having that, turning it off, putting it on airplane modes and doing something where that, that doesn't rely on a piece of technology um, you know, for you to do. Now, people people do ask, I'm going to go for a run, but I'm going to use Strava. That's fine. <laughs> That's allowed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, <laughs> I'm not, um, and it's not, it's not up to me to judge. It's up to you. Like you pick something that works for you in terms of your tech time out of something that you want to do and um, that disconnects from tech um, and just see how you feel afterwards. And obviously the intention of this is you're asking someone to, to take some time out on that specific day. But you, I guess your ultimate goal is that you want, Going back to self-awareness again, you want to encourage that self-awareness of actually I'm spending 12 hours a day looking at a screen. I've got to cut that down. I need to be taking the dog a walk every day sort of thing, you know? Yeah, absolutely. The The, the day is very specific. So it's the day after Black Friday and Cyber Monday. So it's just after we've had the wholesale frenzy where we've all bought stuff. So <laughs> I'm sure if, if you didn't know that it's coming up, it's coming up. It's this Friday. Um, <laughs> So go and buy all the stuff that we probably don't need. But, you know, that's that's the the whole idea is just having that having that awareness. And then, like you say, is this something that you could build into a regular habit and just having that conversation? So if you are doing it as a team at work, having that conversation the next day, oh, what did you get up to? And you might actually learn something about your colleagues that you didn't know before. Oh, actually, I I went and did a a yoga class. Oh, I do yoga. Which yoga team? Oh, should we go together next week? Yeah, great. You know, you, you can start building communities. And I think Community building is something that's a real problem in the way that the way that technology is now in, influencing our lives. We're not actually going out and doing stuff with people as much as we used to. And so there's lots of, you know, isolation issues with like lack of communications between people, lack of trust. Who do you rely on when you're in it, when you're when you're in a, in a struggle or you've got a problem? Um, turn to my phone, turn to Google instead of or now turning to an AI bot that will talk me through my yeah, issues yeah, yeah. and and help me with that instead of a real connection with a real person with real like eye, eye, eye contact. So the, you know, if you can have do some sort of tech timeout, if you can do it as a team, brilliant. You can go and do something together that doesn't involve tech. You could you could even take like a working lunch and just go and take a notepad and just do it without tech for once, like and just see what just see what happens. Just give it a go, um, and then talk about it afterwards and see if it's something that you want to keep and maintain going forward. I regularly advocate for a daily tech timeout. Just it doesn't it doesn't have to be long, but if you can do that separation between work and life with a tech timeout in the middle, I find it's much easier to disconnect, much easier to recharge, and you come back at it the next day much stronger with a much clear clearer focus. Whereas if you just sort of merge from like screen to sofa to bed to screen, you know, <laughs> yeah, yeah, you, don't, yeah. <laughs> you don't seem to get quite that same like sharpness for me anyway. That's that's for me. And the organisations that have signed up to this or that you have perhaps worked with in the past on, on, on this sort of stuff, do you find that they are, firstly, are they seeing the, are they, are they noticing a benefit? And secondly, are they then going through and trying to push time out onto their employees on a more regular basis? So we tend to um, upskill mental health first aiders and we give them the tools and the knowledge for digital wellbeing and how to spot the signs um, and give them tools and actionable things that they can do that are things like introducing things into the business that naturally will support a healthier tech balance. So in terms of digital boundaries, email management, changing meeting efficiencies, like all of the areas around productivity and like how to manage task prioritization, how to include tech-free breaks into, into the culture if that's possible. Some, some cultures this isn't possible for, but some it definitely is. Um, if, you've, if you're in a remote-first organization, how can you encourage these cultures? Because naturally, like increased documentation and increased asynchronous work naturally kind of flows for an increased ability to disconnect because you don't need to be always on waiting for that that team's um team slack channel or response because you don't need to work in the same way so helping organizations to change the way that they're working that's going to suit 
their organizational goals, but also the goals of increasing well-being in their organization, but not just as a tick box where they've subscribed to an app that gives some meditation, free meditations or something. Something that's going to really sit in the culture of the business is generally how we work with people. And we we do that by training and, and starting the journey with mental health first aiders because they're already trained in how to spot mental health issues. Um, and this then adds on to that where they can start building the building blocks of that journey in the organization to help with, it's a very complex issue. There's no like, okay, I've now got good digital balance, but you're not going to have good digital balance for life because suddenly Paul's just sent me an email and I need to deal with it right away because it's really urgent. And then suddenly that balance is thrown off and that happens every day. We have like these challenges. So it's building resilience within organizations with these building blocks that can really help upskill teams to embed a better culture. So that's generally where, where the journey goes in terms of really helping businesses to understand what a good culture looks like in regards to the the technology that they're putting into the business for their employees. I think, as we mentioned, you know, we've thrown technology into organizations at the such a rapid pace over the last few years. So that, you know, the increased spend in technology has been huge because we've needed it for various different things. But actually, how do you then train people on how to use all of these bits of tech? And are people using it properly? Are they using it well in terms of the actual tools that they're using? And do they need 17 tools or can they, do they need 15? Or do they, you know, all of these different questions that can pop up with, we're giving the employees the tools to do their job, but not necessarily the training on how to manage it well. And people are getting overwhelmed and the increase in burnout is definitely still on the rise, particularly in our industries of knowledge transfer services. One million people have already signed up to take part in Tech Time Out. Find out more at techtimeout.co.uk. You can subscribe to Digital Download on iTunes, Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. And if you like the show, please do leave a review as this helps others discover the podcast. Thanks for listening and I'll see you next time.